Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Olesa Pindak, Chief Content Officer here at MindBodyGreen. Today, I'm excited to welcome Lauren Roxburgh to the MindBodyGreen podcast. A best-selling author and expert in helping people heal through movement, her passion about the mind-body connection is evident. With degrees in nutrition and physiology, certifications in structural integration, Pilates, and personal training, Lo works with clients to connect their bodies and inner selves. She's been called the body whisperer for her unique understanding of the physical and emotional blockages that are keeping people from ultimate health. She has a new book out called The Power Source and is a featured Mind Body Green class instructor where she teaches a terrific class on foam rolling. If after listening to this podcast you feel the need to stretch, check it out. Lo is a dear friend of Mind Body Green and we're delighted to welcome her to the podcast today. Lo, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So I'd love to chat about the pelvic floor and fascia and foam rolling and all of that. But before we get started, I want to go back. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you first began um, and how you used to be an all-American swimmer and how you really got into swimming to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, swimming for me was a passion from the age of five. And I was always just really fast and athletic and strong. So I was always very competitive. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And it taught me a lot about my body. And then when I was 16, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that's when it kind of put me on this wellness journey path of wanting to learn about the mind, body and spirit. So when I was 16, she got she was it was actually stage four of five stages for breast cancer, which was pretty intense. I mean, it was in her late 40s. So she was pretty young to have um, that kind of a diagnosis. And it just sort of it stopped me in my tracks. Too. Yeah, yeah. It stopped me in my tracks. And um, we would I would drive her to I just had my license, and I would drive her to get chemo at Stanford University, one of the top universities in the country, and because we lived in NorCal, and um, that was really I guess I learned a lot because I would ask the doctors like, where does cancer come from? And they would say, you know, it's environmental or it's genetic, and I would be like, hmm. And then they said, yeah, but you know, we don't really know. And I'm like, hmm, there's more to the story. And, you know, I kind of grew up with like reading books like Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson. And Mm -hmm. so I think I just always had that open mind to the possibility of the mind, body, emotional, spiritual connection. So it put me on a journey and a path. So I kept competing. And I think I just put a lot of the anger and frustration of having my mom be sick, you know, losing her hair and going through all the terrible things you go through when you get gnarly chemo all the time. and so I channeled that energy into force, into control and com- competition and kind of bearing down and clutching. It was like the only thing I knew, you know, at that time in my life, besides sort of opening up to the mind-body connection. So, but I kept using that force and strength, and it was very much about physical strength. And so I just kept competing and pushing through and forcing things to happen. And then um, she actually got better. And she did a lot of the, you know, spiritual aspects and everything. And she lived for another 16 years. But um, so within that journey, um, you know, it was basically in my 
I went to college in UC Santa Barbara and played water polo and swam, kept swimming, and and then I kept learning about the mind, body, spirit. And so I spent my entire twenties basically studying all different modalities. From I became a personal trainer, and then I studied yoga, and um, and then Reiki, Thai yoga massage, and then I finally discovered structural integration, which is all about fascia, and that was a game changer for me. And how did that shape the future of the way that you thought about the body? Uh, well, it made me realize that we are all energy and that everything, every thought that we have, every emotion that we feel affects our reality and our physical body. I mean, I really believe that we are shapeshifters, that we can shift our bodies and minds into many different ways. So I think that is the evolution of kind of my work, too, is just this idea that we are more powerful than we realize. <laughs> and you say that there was a time in your life when um, things seemed to be going really well, when you had your certifications and Pilates and yoga and massage, mm -hmm. and you had your fitness studio, um, and externally things seemed like they were great and you were on top of yes. the world, but internally things were falling apart a little bit. Can you talk yes. about that and how that was part of the evolution? Absolutely. So I was in a very toxic marriage, and we were just growing apart, and he had addiction issues, and I was going more into wellness, and then I had... My mom's sick again. And then I also had a business. It was a you know brick and mortar business where it was a wellness studio. It was like a big studio with 20 employees. And, and I had a business um, manager and she was stealing all my money. Oh. <laughs> so I had a lot going on. And this all was happening right at the time when I was graduating from the structural integration school, mm -hmm. the fascia school, which is structural integration is basically a form of rolfing, which was mm -hmm. developed by Ida Rolf who essentially discovered fascia in the 1960s. She's the pioneer behind all of this fascia stuff. Anyway, so um, I had this perfect storm happen in my own life, and it really made me wake up. And so my mother passed away, and three days later, I met my meditation teacher, mm -hmm. who again shifted my consciousness and my reality and my brain waves, truly. And then three months later, I met the love of my life, my husband now. So I think it was really about shedding the layers and changing my belief system and my patterns and stepping into my real power, not just the physical power, but the power of grace. So it was pretty amazing. And that takes us a little bit to the way that you work with clients today and the the very different approach that you have. Yeah. When people come to you, they're not just coming to figure out how to have a new fitness routine. They're really coming to shift their life. Can you talk yes. a little bit about the way that you approach um, working with a new client? Yes, I love that question. I always say, align your body, align your life. So the way I've seen it is when people step into their physical body in a more healthy stance, then they start to make better decisions, they make better choices, they have better relationships, they literally vibrate at a different level and they mag like magnetize opportunities, people, relationships. It's really amazing. I mean, it seems so kind of simple, but it's so powerful. So I feel like there's just this idea of when we can find flow in our body and not be in that stuck forceful energy, then mm -hmm. more amazing things just come into our lives. And yet I think a lot of people are physical in their bodies. They go to classes, yes. they go to the gym, they're working out, and they might not be feeling that flow. They might be feeling just as stuck or even more stuck despite moving. So what is the yes. difference there? How do you um, engage in a physical practice that actually gives you that sense of flow? Yeah, so and alignment. I love that. So I always say quality over quantity, right? And also finding something that really feeds your soul. I mean, the way I look at movement is it's medicine. I like to call it movement medicine. I didn't make that up. It's been around. But 
I think it's a very powerful way to explain how you're going to move your body. And I think what happens is we've been living in a very contracted state. So everything is squeezing and clutching down and bearing down. And then that's creating more tension. And then we're going to do a workout that's creating that same fight or flight mentality, then we're not really expanding and creating space and aligning and and breathing deeper and then connecting. I think that expansion allows us to connect to our authentic being, our authentic passion and purpose and desires in life, because that's really where happiness comes from, is being of service and connecting truly to what you, to who you want to be around and what you really want to do and why you know Carolyn Mace is someone who I've read her books for many years and um she has this book called Spirit of Anatomy or Anatomy of Spirit I always get it messed (laughs) up but um I quoted her in my book as well but I like she talks about how we're all here in earth school Mm -hmm. and we're all here to learn a lesson or or many lessons but it's not kind of it's not what happens to us it's how we deal with it and just learning how to live more in a way of responding rather than reacting I think so many people can relate to that idea of bearing down and, and contracting. The white knuckling yes. through life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that that's just the natural response. What yeah. are the types of movement that open that back up? What are the ways that you move your body? How do you breathe deeper and connect and align? Well, I think it's really important to realize, like, to get to know your diaphragm, to get to know your physical body, to know like anatomically what happens. Like when we take a deep breath, our diaphragm pushes down into our organs and our pelvic floor expands. This is just naturally like subconsciously what happens. We don't have to do anything. That is naturally what happens. And then with that, what happens is we actually pump that cerebral spinal fluid, which is the fluid inside your nervous system. And then that actually feeds the brain nutrients and then it flushes the toxins out of the brain as well. So Every time you take a deep breath, there's an opportunity to basically pump energy through your system, to cleanse your system. So I think what happens is our diaphragm gets locked down. Most people can take about two gallons worth of oxygen into our lungs, but most people are only using about 20 to 30% of that capacity. And because of that contracted energy, then the ribs glue down with the fascial adhesions, and then the emotions get lodged in the ribs. Now, you work with a lot of clients, including some huge celebrities, some really big names. Um, What are some of the things, though, that everybody that comes to work with you have in common? Like, what are the common denominators to anybody, no matter what they're coming in for, no matter what the specific pain or thing that they're working on is? Um, Do you approach everybody in a similar way, or do you find that everybody has a similar state? Absolutely. I mean, I think it doesn't matter who you are or what you do or how much money you have. We're all human beings, and we're all dealing with the same stuff which is, again, how we're reacting, how we're responding, what our perspective is. So I think it's really just kind of opening up the awareness to the power within us and also just to the ability to believe that we we actually have more control over how we respond and react than we have been given, I think, in our culture. We just kind of, you know, dig our heels in and just push through and force and make it happen. And the reality is that we don't have to live that way and that, and that happens at you know the highest level of the best athletes on the planet and you know people that are just like you and me every day walking around like in their daily lives you know what is the better way to respond the better way to respond is to ground yourself to take a deep breath and to really go okay instead of going oh my gosh i can't believe that happened to me why did this happen to me become a victim you go okay Now I'm gonna just think about this for a second. I'm gonna let it resonate. I'm gonna take a few minutes and then I'm gonna go, okay, I'm gonna, this is happening for a reason. I'm gonna figure out how to, what I'm gonna do to kind of 
move forward, move through it, learn from it. So I think that's the big thing is like not being a victim mm-hmm. to any circumstance and to know that it's a lesson. There's always a lesson to be learned. Is there a physical response too to those states that help things from getting stuck instead if you, I mean, we all know, take the three deep breaths. Is there anything <laughs> else that, um, that you recommend just from a physical point of view to kind of release that right yeah. away before it gets stuck? Well, yeah, I mean, I liked, you know, just the idea of stress hygiene. Kind of if there's an area like my, the five power centers are all like areas where I've seen patterns in, phys- in the physical body where there's congestion and I like to sometimes call it plaque. It's like Tell where us what we, the five power centers are. The five power centers are the pelvic floor, which is the base of the core. It's basically where your sits bones connect to your pubic bone and your tailbone. It's like a hammock of muscles. And this is the big one where I like to call it the on-off stress button. It's where we tend to white knuckle, clutch, bear down. And a lot of times it's subconscious. People don't even realize they're doing it. It's not where you think of holding tension. I Maybe know, your right? shoulders or... Yeah. But it's amazing too, because when people can harness that energy and realize that they're let it, that they're squeezing so hard down there, and that when they soften it and let the, I like to say, let the flower bloom, <laughs> it drops the shoulders, it relaxes the jaw. And because it's connected through the nervous system, right? It's actually going to, little by little, as you realize, oh, I'm grinding my teeth, that's gonna relax your pelvic floor when you can soften your jaw. And then it goes mm-hmm. vice versa, if that makes sense. So the, the second power center is the deep core which is basically the guts, the lower back, um, the psoas muscles. I always like think of the core as if you cut a tree in half and you see the rings mm-hmm. and you can just see it's, it's energy, it's emotions, it's tissues, it's fluid. There's some muscles, you know, joints, ligaments, all of that stuff. So thinking of that area of the body, a lot of times people will just bear down. Their organs have fascia around them as well. So sometimes the, the organs will glue themselves together and then that really affects digestion, absorption, can make people have IBS, um, constipation, bloating, even extra fat in that area when there's not circulation and chi flowing through there. So it's such an important area. And then when the pelvic floor is really wound up and tight, it can also tighten the organs as well. And obviously after having babies, that's gonna have an impact, like the way the tilt of the of the spine is and the, and the pelvis. So realigning that and just getting in tune with that, doing deep breaths, allowing the organs to drop down and up at the same time so they can expand into the basically in your core, because it gets really compressed. The ribs get compressed on the hips, so we get this compression, and then we have muffin tops, and then bloating and all of that. And then the third power center is the upper core, which is basically what I was saying earlier, the diaphragm, the lungs, the ribs, really important area. A lot of times, like I said, the fascia gets really glued, so we're not able to actually expand the lungs three-dimensionally as they're meant to take in all of that oxygen and then also release and wring out all the CO2. So again, that's super important, like having that awareness and then the hygiene around that, the stress hygiene around that. And then the chest and the shoulders, that's the fourth power center, shoulders, heart. I like to talk about it in the heart a lot. Um, The weight of the world on the shoulders, many people have that. So we all do. Actually, pretty everybody I've ever worked on has some sort of knot in their shoulder blades, right? <laughs> it's like a gravitational force just holding us up in gravity. So, And then the last power center is the head, jaw, throat, where we swallow, have a lot of swallowed emotions get lodged in there. Mm-hmm. So like a great little stress hygiene tip for that is like doing some sort of humming or even singing or oming that vibrates, literally vibrates, or moaning even. Or I like to say, like, when you take a deep breath, like, to do the exhale as, like, ah, 
surrender, <laughs> exhale, that actually affects the nervous system and puts you into more of the calm state. So when you address these five power centers, what you're doing is you're getting yourself into more of a deeper awareness in your body, and you're also shifting into the parasympathetic state of the nervous system, which is all about rest, digest, and heal. And most people are living in the, the sympathetic state, which is all about doing the yang energy, the force, the control. So what, what my work is about is getting people more into the yin, more into the being, more into the calm flow state, and then that's where your body can heal, and that's where you can get connected to the creative energy that kind of drives us all and gives us purpose in life, and also the connection energy to, to source and to your own you know, soul or whatever your mission and purpose is in life. So even just hearing you talk about this, I'm taking deeper breaths. I'm aware of all these it. different um, areas and yeah. I can feel how, oh, I don't pay much attention to these. Yeah. But I'm curious about what can I do in order to activate those, in order to relax them, in order to unstick <laughs> the know, organs right? that might have gotten stuck together. Yeah. Um, and how much of this is connected to fascia? How much of this is connected to other ways that you can help yeah. release this. So it's all related to fascia because it's all related to the nervous system. And whenever people say, I have a knot here, or I have pain here, or I have this, that's all the way the body has reacted and responded. And so we've got to get to the root of it. And the root of it is basically how we're reacting. So if we're constantly going, ow, that hurts. And then you're a victim of that pain rather than thinking of it as communication. So your body's asking for some attention or it's asking for movement or it's asking for a stretch and most people just ignore it like we lose our sensuality our connection to our bodily functions and our body has so many messages it's a really powerful vessel so i think getting more in tune with the messages and then getting up and standing up and doing a few stretches or you know doing a few side bends like the body especially fascia wants to move in all the different planes of movement it doesn't like to be stagnant that's what creates the blockages so getting up and stretching, you know, doing a few twists, doing a little back bend, side bends. Um, but the other big thing is to really do a body scan. So I do it in a lot of my classes when I teach groups. I have people either sit on the roller or the body sphere and or they can lay down on their back if they're really in a lot of pain. And I just have them scan those five centers and ask themselves where they're holding tension. And then I explain visually and we talk about it in the book. As well, there's guided visualizations where I talk about the anatomical things that are going on and kind of enhance the awareness in that area. So it's almost like you're able to visualize it. And when you can visualize it, you're turning on a neuromuscular connection. Mm -hmm. And then you have that ability to know that that's there. And it's like just that's why I like to call it a superpower, because once <laughs> you actually feel it and have the awareness, then you can do something about it. It's like they say awareness is the first step to change. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like once you have that awareness, you can change it and shift it. We've been talking a little bit about fascia, but tell us for a second what it really is, yes. what the what this mysterious thing is that's around your organs that can get stuck, that can get tight, yes. that can glue things together. Such a um, good question. I always think, oh, everybody knows what fascia is. <laughs> Gus is always like, you got to tell them what fascia is, <laughs> my husband. Um, so fascia is connective tissue. It's essentially a webbing that wraps around our entire body like a full body wetsuit. It's right underneath the skin and above the muscle, but also like a big sheath around us but it also wraps around each individual muscle and can glue muscles together and then that's what creates those 
blockages and patterns where you're using like a whole chunk of your body rather than that one muscle to do a movement. Mm -hmm. And also like when we go to sleep at night, our fascia basically glues down so we can heal. And then we wake up in the morning, we have to really stretch it out. If you ever see a cat wake up, they do like a few stretches, you know, they do, they do their yoga. I mean, it only takes a few minutes, not like you have to do an hour and a half or anything like that. So it's, uh, it's being called now the sensory organ. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of it almost as our second skin. And what the sensory organ means is that it's where we feel everything. You know how they say we have like brain cells in our heart and brain cells in our gut now. So we're feeling and messaging our body. It's not just what's happening in the brain. It's what we feel. It's why that's why touch is so incredibly healing. You know, even for preemie babies, like there's that whole research on when you just touch that, they grow. It's so incredibly healing. So fascia to me is this missing piece that many people don't realize they have. And when they do start looking after it and hydrating it, because a lot of times what happens is aging is a form of dehydration, but dehydration in the connective tissue that becomes thick and brittle. And then when it's thick and brittle, it's not getting fresh oxygen. So your blood is not flushing through. You're not getting the great lymph flush that you need. The immune system is suppressed when you have blockages in the fascia because the lymph nodes are in the fascial matrix as well. And so are the nerves. And so are the meridians. Incredibly important, it turns out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what does foam rolling have to do with this? How is foam rolling connected to know, right? fascia? Well, it's been used for many years and traditionally in physical therapy. But the way I look at um, the roller is you basically have this opportunity to smooth out the congestion. Like each time you roll through an area, it's like peeling back the layer of the onion. So you're basically what fascia likes is compression. Once it gets that compression, it smooths and it releases whatever's stuck in there. And then that brings in the circulation, the hydration, the youthfulness, the suppleness. It's almost like exfoliating your tissue in a way. Mm -hmm. And then you're allowing all that new blood flow to come in once you release the compression. So when you start to do a rolling practice daily with either the roller or any of the other tools, you start feeling more hydrated, more range of motion, more flexibility. And this is validated by science. This is not woo-woo at all. Athletes have been using it forever. And it's, it's proven science now that when we address the fascial system, we're addressing the sensory system as well. We're dropping into parasympathetic state of the nervous system, which again, like I said earlier, is about healing the body as well. So you have well, so many benefits. It almost feels like giving yourself a massage. That's right. <laughs> it is. But I, you know, some people are even telling me now that they'd rather roll than get a massage because you mm -hmm. can move yourself into the exact position that you want to go into. It's somatic. Mm -hmm. Then you can start unwinding these old patterns that just have been holding us back and like locking us down. So that's one great way to kind of take care of your fascia. Are there other ways that you should be um, treating it or paying attention to it or it, massages, of course, another way? Yeah, well, I I mean, I'm a big believer in like the infrared saunas, because again, that, that helps your nervous system calm down. Again, fascia directly related to how we're reacting, responding, and clutching. So the more we can let go of that clutch, the more our fascial system is just going to have circulation and blood flow and hydration, and then also addressing like nerves. So you know, building strength in the proper places, like having more kind of foundational strength and not just strengthening like your biceps or whatever, like integrated strength to me is a really great way to look after your fascia, taking super hot baths with magnesium, magnesium chloride salts, because they will penetrate into your cells and into your fascia as well. And then taking magnesium at night because it's the anti-stress mineral and they call it the miracle mineral. And that helps re relax your nervous system and let your body repair. So anything you can do to repair, I also am a big believer in, in broths 
like bone broth because it's I like to call it a fascia food. So you can actually feed your fascia as well with nutrients like vitamins and antioxidants and everything like that is really amazing too. So let's see, I would say breathing, walking, infrared sauna, yin yoga, rolling. Um, what else? Yeah, just some good stretching and just um, getting more in tune with where you're holding cobwebs. And then of course, I love the new product is the body sphere, which is what the new book is all about. And the body sphere goes into these deeper areas like the pelvic floor in between the shoulder blades. It goes into where the roller can't go into. Mm -hmm. So that's why I extended my, my line of aligned healing tools because I kept thinking, okay, the roller is amazing and you can do all these amazing strengthening exercises, but what about the areas where the muscles attach to the joints? I wanted to get deeper into those areas and like around the hands and the, and the wrists, because a lot of people have that from texting too much, mm -hmm. the neck, um, aligning the hips and pelvis, and then where the hamstrings attach to the, to the um, pelvis as well. So again, just even hearing you talk about it, it feels <laughs> like release. Yeah, I know. Right. I love that. Um, so let's go back to the pelvic floor for a moment. You talked about how that is the first of the power centers. And you also talked about how aligning the pelvic floor is connected to gut health. It's connected mm -hmm. to all kinds of things. It's not really just about the pelvis. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is, how it's so connected to everything else, and why it's really one of the um, really important centers to pay attention to, and why nobody's talking about it yet? I know. I don't know if it's just because people are afraid to talk about it because you know it's where we have our sexual parts and our organs i think it's just something like in this puritan puritan world this western culture we're just like oh we'll just pretend like we don't have a pelvis or we don't go to the bathroom and we don't have sex and we're just really <laughs> uptight and you know what i mean so i think it's like it's we're kind of going into a new i think an evolution of a little bit more sensuality in our culture, which is what we probably had and then we lost from the Puritan ages, you know, and just sort of this, like, just sweep everything under the carpet, pretend like nothing happened, everything's perfect, <laughs> that perfectionism, right? So I think what's happening is people want to be more empowered. They want to become their own body whisperer. They don't want to have to go somewhere to fix everything. I think mm -hmm. people are becoming more knowledgeable. They can find more information online. So I think people are more open-minded to wanting to learn about their body and how it affects all aspects of their life, too. So and yet before we started, even you and I were just talking. We're yeah. both moms of two kids, and this is not something that's secret <sighs> in the mom world, right? I mean, yeah. so often after pregnancy, women are dealing with this issue. Um, but what I yeah. think is so interesting is that that's one of the only places that I think people have really talked about it as yep. almost a medical condition, but you're saying it's, yes, it's important for that, but it's also important for everybody all the time. It really is. And actually I've, in my research, I've also seen that even men have issues with it. And also, um, women that have not had children, usually it's over like late forties because mm -hmm. they've been sitting too much. So all mm -hmm. everything has dropped and then they've been constantly clutching. So when you constantly clutch, it's hypertonic and then the muscles actually weaken and atrophy. So with the weakening and the neuromuscular disconnect, you like basically don't have a pelvic floor in your mind, right? So as soon as you start awakening it from the visualization and then doing some of these moves over the body sphere, opening and expanding, then doing the deep squats mm -hmm. and then bouncing gently on a rebounder. And then even like there's tools now that, you know, pelvic floor surgeons are using, they do like lasers in there 
so there's no surgery, but mm -hmm. like the lasers people do on their face, people are having that done down in their pelvic floor and in actually in the walls of the vagina as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a really amazing time we're living in because technology is really empowering. There's now this new thing you can just sit on. It's like a laser. I don't know the name of it, but you can sit on it and it regenerates the pelvic floor muscles and tissues and everything. So, but for me, most importantly is turning on the connection and just realizing that you have one. And yes, men have one too. I've been asked that before. Do men have pelvic floors? Absolutely. <laughs> they do 100%. It's to me, it's the base of the core. I sometimes call it the pelvic core. We were talking about how even in um, France, pelvic floor recovery is covered as part of insurance and that this is something that it is that important to pay attention to um, and to I'm curious about though what it is that you do what are the what is the recovery what are the exercises what do you recommend that everybody do every day know, right? well the first thing I want to say about France is if you think about them as a culture how much more sensual are they right they kiss each other every time they see each other. They embrace, they have long lunches, and then they sometimes take a siesta. They're like really in the bean, mm -hmm. which is actually, and they're very sexual too. They're sexual, they're sensual, they're connected. They want their women to be able to be doing that again, you know, and a lot of women have so much pain after childbirth to have sex. They have an um, issue having an orgasm. Um, so when you're addressing the pelvic floor, all of these systems are enhanced. So it's easier to feel like more relaxed and be out of your mind and into your body and then feeling again too. I mean, even if you go like in France or Italy, like they speak, their mouth opens and closes more. They have much more sensuality and the mouth is a, again, a reflection of the pelvic floor. Wow. So in my research, I've seen how people have the locked jaw I've, and when we did the pelvic floor release their jaw would relax and I've talked to dentists about this dentists that people come with TMJ they'll actually come in and they'll be like I think you need to go see a pelvic floor specialist and then they'll go get their pelvic floor worked on or released or you know reconnected to and their jaw releases wow so crazy so as far as what you're saying about how to like what we can do in the pelvic floor like recovery is you can find a pelvic floor therapist that can either do go up all the way up and see what's going on in the canal and then around the sits bones, which is where we work on with the sphere and with the um, with the rebounder as well too. But for a program, I would have people come in and just get connected to it, visualize it. Then we'd use the sphere to figure out where it's blocking or and then look at the alignment of the pelvis. And then usually a weak pelvic floor is tight hips, lower back stuff. Um, a disconnect to your deeper core. So a lot of people can't even connect to their deep core if their pelvic floor is very tight. So we look at all of those aspects and then I would have them on a program with the sphere, with the rebounder. Yeah. And what can people do at home? What should everybody be doing every day in order to try and relax the pelvic floor in order to try and connect with it? I mean, everyone should be able to get into a deep squat. Mm -hmm. That, believe it or not, is what where the pelvic floor is fully expanding. So a lot of people are like, don't you want, don't I want a tight pelvic floor? I'm like, no, you don't want a tight <laughs> pelvic floor. They're thinking like, you know, tight, you know, right. after having babies or whatever. It's not about tight. It, I like to say resiliency. So just like the bicep muscle, your bicep needs to fully extend and fully contract to be fully strong. If it's stuck hypertonic here, it's actually weak. If I'm mm -hmm. trying to hold something up, it's going to be weak. But if I go all the way here, I've got it. But the only way to get all the way strong is to fully elongate it. So when you do a deep squat, 
Your pelvic floor is stretching and expanding and elongating. That hammock of muscles is opening. And then when you come up, it's shortening. And then the same thing happens on the sphere. You're opening it, and then you're bringing the awareness, and you're squeezing around the the ball, the sphere. And then with the rebounder, the beautiful thing about the trampoline is that when you jump up, you have that nice opening of the pelvic floor, the flower blooming, and then it contracts when you land. So again, these are all things to just realize and connect to, and it's really about building a foundation. It's not about clutching and bearing down on it. You've got to have the opposite. You've got to have the opening in order to have the full squeeze. So something as simple as jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, it's pretty really cool. Be helpful. And make sure you don't jump too high. If you're really re- regenerating, you want to just gently bounce. And you work your way up because a lot of people, a lot of women will get on there and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I have to pee. Right. Or they do pee. Mm-hmm. And so you got to just slowly build your way up. And little by little, there's research being done in Germany that bouncing on the trampoline and they're doing electrodes up there and they're seeing the tone being built. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. You say that one of the worst things you can do for fitness is do things over and over and over again. And that getting into a habit and doing that same repetition and doing the same thing repeatedly is actually one of the worst things that you can do. Can you tell us why that is and why repetition is actually not such a great thing, even if it's consistency and even if it's um, checking something (laughs) off the box and feeling like I did what I was supposed to do. But at some point, that's not such a great thing anymore. Well, I think the repetition comes from just how we are living our lives. Everything is very forward motion. We're not working our bodies in all the different planes of movement. And fascia and the human structure really loves to be go upside down and twist and side bend and you know move in all the different planes of movement. And I think that's sort of what's missing in traditional. I mean, you have that in yoga, which is great, and um, even in Pilates too. But I think you know sometimes it just takes some somatic movement where you just kind of put some music on and then you just sort of freestyle and unwind some of those adhesions. So that's that's what the body thrives on. It's sort of different planes of movement, getting out of this linear, like that's why I don't really like going straight from work to then going to a spinning class because you're in that same range of motion that you've been in all day, unless you're gonna do some yoga and rolling as well with that. And then the spinning is for the cardio. So I just feel like the body likes to be almost tricked out mm-hmm. of being stuck. Mm-hmm. Because that stagnant energy, just it, when you're constantly in that same position all the time, it just has nowhere to go. It has nowhere to expand and let go of the stuff that our body needs to unwind. Can you tell us about some of the clients that you've worked with? No names, of course, but mm-hmm. just this, um, the transformations that you've seen when people have really focused in this way and really gone beyond just that physical, I'm going to go in, I'm going to get my exercise done, and I'm going to walk out. But um, what kind of release you've seen and what kind of transformations in people's lives? Yeah, well, we we have a great, actually, um, blog on my site now that has a bunch of the transformations. It's so amazing. But basically what we see is people will just shed these layers, right? Layers of density, of fascia, of old patterns. And then underneath those layers is this amazing body. I think everyone has that. I think the fitness world has been so concerned about like, let's just do more reps and like Jane Fonda our way into a better body. And the reality is actually that body is right there. Everyone has the same anatomy. I mean, generally speaking, it's just what's over that that muscular anatomy. So really shedding those layers. And then with the shedding comes, um, you know, your glands are rebooted. 
So your nervous system is also calmed and then you're able to shed more weight as well. You have reduced sugar cravings. I've had that, I've heard that benefit from most people that do this work, whether it's an online program or with me personally, they lose 80% of their sugar cravings because you're mm -hmm. reducing stress. And then you're also building the musculature more globally and more sort of three-dimensionally, if that makes sense, because you're working like laterally, you're going upside down, you're doing things that your body is meant to do, similar to what you do in yoga. Mm -hmm. And then also, so we see a lot of people lose weight, but not in the traditional way of starving themselves and doing a bunch of cardio. Right. It's actually like the cardio I recommend is either walking, dancing, or rebounding, mm -hmm. because I think that those are like fun and enjoyable and they make people happy and they stimulate endorphins. And then I also see um, transformation of just no more pain mm -hmm. and also like connecting to their authentic purpose, just feeling more in tune with themselves, feeling more lighter. Lighter is a word I hear all the time. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much lighter I feel. I'm just mm -hmm. not carrying that bag of coals anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not holding on to that stuff that was, you know, making me miserable and angry. So you're releasing through movement medicine, you're releasing those emotions that just make you feel heavier and more irritable. So how did watching your mom go through her treatments change the way you think about disease and the body and healing? Well, again, at an early age, I feel like I was kind of lucky enough to witness what she had gone through. So my father left her about two years prior to that. So she was really, you know, heartbroken. She was holding a lot of resentment and she was very much a victim. I mean, she would even say she was like on her last days of her life, she realized that she really internalized a lot of this emotion and that emotion was getting stuck. And so, you know, I realized that as soon as we you know, basically our immune system goes down when we're under stress and then we're not letting go of that stuff. It just can make it easier for that cancer to expand and become very, you know, toxic and, you know, make people sick essentially. So what I found really interesting though, is as I witnessed that, you know, I, I didn't want to be a victim and take on that victim energy. Like, why did this happen to me? Why did my mom get sick? I realized, you know what, I want to be empowered and I'm going to look at this as a lesson. And then I put myself on this journey and learned all these different things and started reading all these books. And then I really realized, and I believe now wholeheartedly in every cell of my body that every dis-ease is because of some emotional illness or issue. I mean, emotion, not emotional illness, but some emotional thing that's being held in the body. Carolyn Mace and a couple other people in the mind, body, spiritual world have done a lot of research on this and there's always a theme and it's really incredible. So I feel like that's where we're going in our culture and our society as people are going to realize that the emotions are so important in truly in vibrant health. So, and in also reducing illness too. And how do you tackle emotions in your practice? And in your work with clients? I think the most important thing is getting back to that feeling again. Like the emotions live in the body and the thoughts are the mind. So getting ourselves to feel our body again and our sensory system and awakening that awareness again, listening to like the butterflies in our belly or if we are grinding our teeth, why is that? What's going on in our bodies? What are we holding on to that we can't let go of? So I think, you know, looking at what is holding us back you know, in our lives. And then we realize that we actually don't have to live that way and that we can release that information or that energy or those emotions through breath, through rolling, through rebounding, through going for a hike, being in nature, doing some forest bathing, whatever, whatever is your, whatever, like floats your boat, right? Whatever you want to do that makes you feel like it helps you create space and then connection. Are you ever working with somebody and you feel 
you go into a space with them, whether it be a knot in their shoulder or a tension in their hips, and then all of a sudden they're crying or yes. all of a sudden they're screaming or there's there's emotion that's released there. Um, does yes. that happen? Um, and what do you make of that? Yeah, actually, I've seen it even where they have the quivers and like a shaking that occurs. So that's some sort of trauma that's been lodged in the tissue in the cell memory. And maybe we forgot about it in our mind, but it's physically in the body. So I've seen all those things. I've seen people scream and cry and vibrate and cough. And I mean, all kinds of things just over and over again. That's just the unwinding. So, you know, even a tear is basically energy that just wants to be released. So if you ever feel tears come on, let them go. Don't hold them back because that'll just internalize some emotional energy that's trying to get out. It's kind of interesting. (laughs) (laughs) If people can't come to work with you specifically, even though I think probably everyone (laughs) would want to after listening to this, can you um, tell people who to look for and what kinds of practitioners um, to to try and find? And I know a lot of your work is about trying to empower people to do this themselves. Yeah. Um, But I'm just curious about what are what are people's first steps for working with someone who's um, more connected to this idea of movement medicine? I mean, I would say someone that does rolfing or structural integration would be an amazing sort of window or door into this whole new way of looking at the body mind and spirit essentially so i would say that anyone that's trained in that i mean great yoga teachers that are not doing the power yoga that -hmm. are doing real expansive yoga allowing your body to unwind somatically like a lot of times if there's a body worker that is also a yoga teacher I find that pretty amazing and sort of blending those two together, which is what I've done as well, can be really helpful too. Recovery is a big buzzword right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are talking about recovery or thinking about recovery. I think are really leaning into recovery as a way to feel better. Why do you think that recovery is having such a moment now? Because I think we've been living in that state of yang enforce too much and i think finally the world is or the people are saying no we got to start enjoying our lives we got to start enjoying our bodies so people are ready for more yin more being less doing you know more feminine we're living in the feminine era right now so kind of makes sense definitely what are your favorite recovery techniques Recovery techniques, again, it would be like infrared sauna. You could do the foam rolling. Yeah, yeah. the foam rolling with, and then I have all of my tools now. I have the body sphere, which Mm -hmm. is the ball that goes with the book. And then I have the infinity roll, which some people call it the peanut. Um, It's a little mini roller that you can travel with. I take it on the airplane. You can put it up against the wall and get your shoulder blades, your sacrum, your lower back, and then it helps you take deeper breaths. And then the domes, Mm -hmm. which they're called the aligned domes. So I almost almost wanted to call them the sensory domes because you can do a scalp massage, a jaw massage with them. You can flush the lymph in your inner thighs, your hips. Um, Those are really amazing. They they just hit different aspects of the fascia in different ways. And then... um, taking those hot baths and then doing like an ice bath too is really good kind of doing both like the ice and then the heat that can be really healing for fascia as well and for inflammation in what order (laughs) i know right well i do have an order actually believe it or not so i have a whole thing where we talk about dry brush first Mm -hmm. then roll Mm -hmm. then rebound then sauna or bath and then, so that's like a daily practice of like creating your own oh, spa so at home, <laughs> doesn't it? And if you don't have a sauna, the bath really does work or a hot shower, mm-hmm. something with that asp- that element of heat. And some people are like even doing like a foot bath mm-hmm. with the salts because then it mineralizes your tissue as well. 
Sitting has been connected to everything. We talked about it earlier, and sitting is the new smoking. Yes, right? it is. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you can do if you're in a profession where you sit most of the day, um, yeah. even if you are trying to get up and walk around. What can you do to counter the effect of sitting? So we're going to all be sitting, let's face it. Like, it's just part of our reality. So instead of being stuck in that state of the sitting position, all you have to do, your body is so resilient, fascia is so malleable. All you have to do is at the end of the day, open yourself up. I call it undo the day. Lay on the roller long way, do a few yoga stretches, you know, make sure you're not stuck in that state. And then, of course, in the morning, same thing. So start your day off expanding after, after that deep sleep. And then go through your day if you have to sit all day or whatever activity you have you have to do for your job. Some athletes have to do certain weird positions all day too. But they, you can undo the damage. So the key is not to let it be stuck for ages and ages and ages. Because like you see that guy walking around with the hunchback. That's actually thick fascia that's built up density. That's totally preventable. Yes, some people are more predisposed. But because fascia is so malleable, it doesn't have to go there. You don't have to be compressed. Like I have most of the people gain an inch to an inch and a half in height from this work. It's pretty powerful. That's incredible. Um, what are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing in movement right now? In movement, I would say, yeah, like you said, restorative. More people are taking more time to connect within. And then I think a big one that, that I'm seeing is that nervous system, that people are starting to realize how important the nervous system is and not to be stuck in fight or flight. That's a really big one. Um, I would say, what other trends? Um, I think more intuitive movement and also intuitive eating. So I think also like a lot of times people think, oh, it's the next diet and I should do this because so-and-so is saying that. The key is like, let go of what's going on in the, in the outside world and tap into what really you, what's going on inside of you. How does each food affect you? You know, and if you have to just do a diet where you get rid of everything and then you start bringing things back in, if, if you need to really do like a reboot. But I think that's a really important, like just getting more in touch with our own, not looking at what's online, mm-hmm. but looking at what's within. That's a big one. It's that personalization too, and realizing mm-hmm. that we're each these unique beings and... Yeah, that relationship starts with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is next for you? Oh, I know. I love it. So I've been called to do a certification. Over the last two years, I have a little baby who's just turned two, and I've gotten the message a lot. But I'm like, I just can't do it. It was too. It's too much. <laughs> and then I was writing this book, so I finally had the feeling inside to go. You know what? I'm ready. So in the fall, I'm writing the curriculum for my certification. So it's going to be two levels. Level one will be movement medicine for life. And that'll be for anyone that just wants to embody this work and this philosophy and sort of create the shift in their own body and lives. And then the the next one will be level two will be movement medicine ambassadors. So that'll be for people that want to help spread the method and message. So it'll be easier to find people like you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What gets you excited in the morning? Oh, I just, I feel like every day I get to witness a miracle, whether it's working with a client or just, I don't know, I just feel like it's really fun to be in the flow of life. And also one thing that that I've been focusing on is with my affirmations is to like lean into the magic of the unknown. I think sometimes we like think we should meet someone or this thing should happen to us. And like, if you can let go of like that actually what's, 
better than those things we think is going to be or what we think is our path and you sort of allow the path to just lay out in front of you then you're like it's crazy the miracles that happen like the people that come into your life the people you're supposed to meet the connections the circumstances so I think that comes with again like letting go of trying to control everything and just being in that sense of flow rather than the force and it's hard to get there and it is a daily practice but I think everyone can go there and get there and it's it makes life a lot more fun what keeps you up at night nothing I'm so exhausted (laughs) with two kids and all of this work I sleep like so deep um honestly it's so crazy sleep has always been such an ease for me yeah that's a gift (laughs) it is right what advice would you give your 20-something self everything is going to be amazing and you need to just relax and enjoy the ride and listen to your intuition what is your daily practice what do you do each day every day when i wake up Right upon waking, the subconscious mind is more available. So I do my affirmations and my my visualizations. And then I really try to define what I want to do that day or what I want to work on or how I want to help be of service more. So I do 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 the affirmations and visualizations. I actually just sit up in bed and I don't say them out loud. I just say them within and I let I actually channel them in. So whatever. Sometimes it's I am grateful. I am love. I am abundant. I am whole. I trust the unknown. I'm open to magic, those kinds of things. And then I get up and I drink a whole bunch of water and then my husband makes a coffee and then the kids get up and we have cuddles in bed (laughs) and then we make a smoothie and then I get up and do my sequence of the dry brushing, the rolling, the rebounding, and then the sauna. It's a great way to start the day. day. And it doesn't take that long. It sounds like a lot longer than it is because dry brushing takes like three minutes, Mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. So... Well, thank you so much for being here. This was terrific. So fun. Thanks for having me.